0: What's up, Restoration? This is Justin, and I'm coming to you from the home studio the office here. And uh, there's a reason for that, and it's because this past weekend as we uh, were closing out our series, Practicing Jesus, which has been all about discipleship, what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus and put uh, His words into practice, Uh, that we closed out the series by talking about community, and we decided we didn't just want to talk about community. uh, We actually wanted to try to practice it, um, which meant we we did church around tables this week, um, which for many was really fun. For many, it was very uncomfortable, um, but we wanted to even embrace that uh, discomfort because we believe that that's the place where we grow, that we don't grow by uh, just simply sitting in rows for an hour a week, that we grow by getting in one another's life and in community. And so uh, the recording for the service, there's a lot of conversation that's happening around tables, so you probably wouldn't want to sit through all of that. But I wanted to share for a few minutes um, what we talked about in order for you two to hopefully put this into practice and talk this through in community and what this means to us. So we see Jesus' great commission in Matthew 28 to go and to make disciples. I actually want to read it here. This is when he is um, about to ascend into heaven as a reigning king, and he tells us as his followers that our job is to go as his disciples and to make more disciples. Here's what he said. He says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age." So Jesus gives this commission to go and make disciples, but He bookends it with with two incredible promises for for this commission, for this journey that we're on of making disciples. First, He says he promises His power. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Jesus has all authority, and as as His disciples, we go out in that authority. And then at the end, he, He promises His presence. He says, I am with you always to the very, very end. So as we go out as apprentices of Jesus, hoping to to make other apprentices of Jesus, invite them on the journey of discipleship, we have God's promise of His authority, His power, and also His presence with us. We do not do this alone. We do not do this by our own power, but we are empowered and sent out by His power and His presence. So throughout this series, We've talked about how discipleship means not just asking uh, what Jesus said and what Jesus did, but how He did it. And so, we have to ask then, how did Jesus make disciples? Well, we see it pretty clearly all throughout the Gospels. The answer is simply, Jesus made disciples in community. Think about it. As he, as he starts his ministry, the first thing he does is he, he gathers a group of diverse, ordinary people from different backgrounds and then spends the next three years literally day in and day out doing life with them. See, gro- growth for the disciples, it, it didn't happen in isolation. Instead, it was Jesus making it clear to them and making it clear to us that spiritual growth is a community project, which, which means that we live intentionally with others who are also following Jesus. So why did He do it that way? Well, it's because Jesus didn't just come to reconcile us to God, He came to reconcile us to one another. And so when we learn how to be a disciple in the context of community, we do so knowing that this is the fertile ground in which we learn to love God and love our neighbor as ourself as well. And that's why Jesus, on the night before he was betrayed and going to be crucified, he gathers his disciples. We get this picture in John 13. He he, he tells them, I, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. So by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now I don't know if you heard that and caught that, but But it's not how much we know that that makes us known as disciples. It's not how well we behave that makes us known as disciples of Jesus. It's not how great our church services is. It's not how great our sermon is. Not how great our kids' ministry, the music, all of these things. It is by how well we love one another that is the defining marker of disciples of Jesus. So, That's something we have to wrestle with. How well do we love one another as a community? And that's why we push the value of community so much, the value of intentional relationships so much. We emphasize it because intentional community is where we learn how to love. It's where we learn how to love God, and it's where we learn how to love our neighbor. And this past Sunday, as we talked about this around tables, it was an inspiring conversation. But the question I asked everyone was if if community sounds so great, if these intentional relationships where we grow are so amazing, then why isn 't everyone doing it? why isn 't the church across America just Defined by how well we are doing life together in an age of isolation and and radical individualism, why aren't we a bastion of community, or at least known more as such? And and the reason I would argue is because the closer you get to other people, the more you start noticing differences. Even the people who look like you and act like you, dress like you, same stage of life, the more you spend time with anyone, you notice that they have different patterns of life, they have different rhythms, different values. The closer you get to one another, those differences start to creep in. And you realize that, that to really love your neighbor as yourself, that real love that goes deeper than the surface, it's, it's way harder than any of us thought. And it's why the last five letters of community, the word community, are so important. Unity. Unity was a big deal to Jesus. Because he knew as we made disciples of all nations, and as the church grew from a Jewish sect into a worldwide faith with many nations and tribes and tongues and different cultures and backgrounds, when those collide, we would love, learn to love our neighbor, and that would be hard as diversity grew, as we were different. And what Jesus is not calling us to is uniformity, where everyone is alike, has the same culture, has the same preferences, dresses alike, looks alike, thinks alike. He's not calling us to that. He's calling us to unity in our diversity, that He's made us distinct, but yet in that distinction, we have still learned to love one another as we love ourselves. That's why Jesus prayed for us in John 17. He says, I and them and you and me, speaking to the fathers, so that they may be made completely one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. I don't know if you caught that, but Jesus, again, makes this startling statement that unity in community is our primary apologetic in the world. In fact, I think that unity may be especially in these times, should be at least, one of our primary strategies for communicating the gospel to the world that we can be at the type of of family that even in our differences we've learned to love one another. You see this in Jesus' first disciples. There's Matthew, who was a pro-government wealthy tax collector uh, who's chosen by Jesus, and then you have Simon, who's an anti-government zealot who's hell-bent on burning Rome to the ground. These are complete... Political opposites, both chosen by Jesus to be his disciples and in community together day in and day out. Now, both of them had their politics reoriented around the kingdom of God that Jesus was teaching. That has to happen to all of us. But for three years, these political opposites who came from different sides of the aisle, they had to spend those days together learning how to love one another in community. That's a miracle, right? Don't you see that that this is exactly the type of church that our day needs, that our culture needs, that, that speaks and lives this community. We don't want a church, guys, with just Republicans or just Democrats or just rich people or just poor people or just white people or just black people. We want a church that is diverse in every way because we believe not only does that help us learn to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves, we believe that a church who lives out that unity in this divided, tribalistic world, will be something that the world will marvel at. Because the world around us, I don't know if you've noticed, is pretty busy throwing stones at one another. It's pretty busy condemning the other side. It's why unity in this day and age, in Jesus, is so compelling and so important. It's why we are called to community, because it's where love and unity can take life. Community is that fertile ground where love learns to grow for God and it learns to grow for our neighbor. So what I want to do is ask a couple questions as as I close out here. Number one is, how have you understood community? Have you had good experiences, bad experiences? Did you go to some weird small group one time that turned you off and you never wanted to go back? What's been your experience? How do you define it? And then secondly, the question I'd love for you to talk in community with others with is, is what are the biggest barriers to that type of community that Jesus is talking about in John 13 and John 17? What are the biggest barriers to that type of love and unity that He's calling us to? And then how can we tear those barriers down? I want you to take time this week, grab a friend or get in a city group and talk over what God is speaking to you in these times. Connect and grow together. Learn to love one another, even through the differences, even through the the struggles that we have that make us different. That's where the fertile life of God's love can grow. That's a fertile ground where it grows. I really encourage you to do that. Um, Thanks for listening today as we move forward. Next week we start a series on the book of James, which we are very, very pumped about. So we love you guys, and we will see you Sunday.